Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 17, The Melville. Jenny felt a tug at her arm as James pulled himself level with her. They were moving faster now, but not much faster than jogging on the ground. This is amazing, she said. Then she had a thought. How long does the effect last? I don't know, he said. If I drop the quill, or if I take the silver nib off, we'll fall. They both looked down. They were a hundred feet or more from the ground below, floating along above a school playground. Where is the bishop taking us? James asked. The bird did not seem to be flapping very hard. In fact, Jenny was surprised that the plump pigeon was staying airborne. I'm free! I'm free! the bird kept saying. Free as a bird! I can fly again! We're getting lower, Jenny said, using the duffel bag to gesture to the roof of a supermarket about fifty feet down. No, we're not, James said. It's just a hill. Bishop, could you stop flapping for a moment? The bird turned back to look at them. Stop flapping? That is a most unbird-like thing to do. But then, I am connected to the girl, the girl is connected to you, and you are holding the key to the air. So here goes. With one last flutter, the bishop held its wings out as if it were gliding. Then it folded them back. This is the life, it said. First class travel. They continued moving through the night sky. James was right. The hill that rose towards Seven Dials was directly ahead of them. If they carried on, they would eventually touch ground somewhere near Brighton Railway Station. She thought about asking the bishop to fly them home, but Jenny didn't need to be home until ten o'clock, so still had over an hour to use. Can you fly us up to Seven Dials? she asked, to the post office there. I can take you anywhere, the bishop cried joyfully. I'm free as a bird. It gave an excited flutter of feathers, and they gained height and speed on a new course toward the top of the hill. For the next few minutes everyone was quiet, taking in the view as they drifted over railway lines. A train passed underneath, on its way north to London. There was plenty of noise from the town below, but somehow, even though it was still so close, the vertical distance made everything calm and good and right. It was a wonderful feeling. The descent was less wonderful. Aim for the car park, Jenny said, pointing a foot at a small space to the right of the post office. We're coming in too fast, James said. I'm free, cooed the pigeon as they plummeted at breakneck speed toward the tarmac. Luckily, Jenny managed to reach out and kick the edge of the post office roof, which, along with cracking a tile, slowed them down enough for a safe landing. Well, almost landing. They were in standing position, feet barely touching the pavement, right outside Melville Road Post Office. Everyone ready, James said, letting go of Jenny's arm and holding the key to the air with both hands. Jenny nodded, and he pulled the silver nib from the feather. Weight rushed back into Jenny's body, and she felt like she was being pressed hard into the ground by a great force. Her legs almost buckled, but she managed to stay standing. James staggered to the side and leaned hard on a car bonnet. The bishop felt it the worst, 
dropping like a deadweight and swinging from the chain that Jenny was still holding. Free as a bird, it said in a dazed voice, wings hanging down around its head. We need to find out where the Empress was taking Claudia, Jenny said, trying a tentative step forward. Slow and heavy. She guessed that this was how elephants felt. The bag with the portal book in it seemed to be filled with lead. I need to figure out how to walk again, James said, stumbling away from the car. I can fly again, the bishop said. Jenny carefully laid him on a post office window sill. He seemed happy enough, lying on his back, wings twitching sporadically. With heavy legs, Jenny walked slowly around the side of the post office to the little car park, lugging the heavy bag with her. There were three windows along the wall, but none of them were open, nor looked like they'd been opened in the last decade. I've got an idea, James called out. He was leaning against the wall near the bishop. He opened his jacket. Cece poked her head out. We need to get into the post office, he said to her. Can you see if there's a way in? The monkey, still wearing the dog fur, climbed slowly out of James's jacket and down to the ground. After a few tentative steps, testing the ground with each paw before placing it, she got her confidence back and trotted along the pavement. Jenny leant on the wall next to James. That was unbelievable, she said. We were flying. We just flew here, right out of the church. Beats getting a bus, James said. I wonder if you ever get used to the feeling of it. That was quick thinking in the bell room, she said, blocking the door with that portal. One of the few things I worked out about the key in my tests. It opens the window, I mean portal, in the same orientation as the paper. But I have no idea why this time the mountains were so close. Ink! the bishop's high voice answered. In the portal book there's a whole chapter all about inks and altitude. It's quite fascinating, really. There was a hiss from behind a shining red post box further down the wall. Cece jumped back onto the roof of a car as a large tabby cat sprang on top of the post box. Hey, Jenny said, is Claudia inside? The cat tensed and took its eyes off Cece to glance at Jenny. We're friends, Jenny said. We need to talk to Claudia. No monkeys allowed, the cat said, loosening up and jumping down to the pavement. It prowled lithely in front of the children. It was big and muscular, a good reminder that domestic cats were distant relations to tigers. This cat seemed more like a cousin than a distant relation. No monkeys, it said again, and no birds. It licked its tongue across a row of wickedly sharp teeth. Unless you are bringing us dinner? No dinner here, the bishop said. Just a free bird, ready to fly away. I'll stay out here with Cece and the bishop, James said. If you leave the book, I can look through it. I definitely need to find out more about the ink. Jenny handed the bag to James. He almost dropped it when she let go. We should stick to shorter, faster flights in the future, he said, using both hands to hold the bag. I don't think my muscles will ever forgive me. Follow me, the tabby cat said to Jenny, before sauntering off down the pavement. She forced her legs to carry her after it, round to the other side of the post box. It was wider than a normal post box, with two letter slots side by side. Behind it, the tabby cat's tail was still visible through what could only be described as a large camouflaged cat flap in the wall. 
The outside of the flap looked exactly like the bricks either side, but it was hinged on top. Jenny got down on her knees and pushed the flap with her hand. It felt like a wall, but moved easily. She crawled through to the space beyond. To her surprise, she found herself in a rather small but luxuriously decorated hotel lobby. There was a check-in desk directly in front of her, a bar to the left, what looked like a bank of elevators to the right, and a neatly dressed cat with a shining black cap standing by a door right next to her. Welcome to the Melville. May I take your bags, madame? the cat in the shining cap asked. No, she said, slightly taken aback. She stood up, and her head almost brushed against a crystal chandelier. She gathered herself. No, thank you. I don't have any bags. This way, the tabby cat called from across a black and white tiled floor. She followed the cat up a set of carpeted stairs. There was a sign under the handrail that said, No scratching will be tolerated. It had clearly been followed, as the banister was highly polished and in perfect condition. They walked down a wood-panelled hallway to a dark wooden door. It had a brass number two attached to it and came up to Jenny's waist. Claudia is within, the tabby cat said, before sauntering back the way it had come. Jenny kneeled down and tried the gleaming brass handle of the door. It didn't turn, but when she pushed it, the whole door pivoted from the top. Another camouflaged cat flap. The room on the other side was just as richly furnished as the rest of the hotel. The dark papered walls were lit by a chandelier. There was a big old desk against one wall and a four-poster cat bed opposite. In the middle of the bed, Claudia lay on a large velvet cushion. The black and white cat looked comfortable. But when Jenny got closer, she could see the extent of Claudia's injuries. One ear was missing, so was the end of her tail, and one of her legs was held at an awkward angle by a black splint. Glad you could make it, Claudia said softly. This will teach me to try and sneak past those monkeys. They did this to you. Take a seat. Claudia pointed to another large velvet cushion by the side of the bed. Jenny slid it over and sat. It was soft and warm and, well, expensive feeling. What's going on? Jenny asked. What's Elf up to? And please, tell me the truth. We need to know if she's double-crossing us. This time there's no double-cross, Claudia said. Not by Elf. In fact, this whole thing started with a double-cross by the Ringmaster. Who is the Ringmaster? She is an agent of evil. Her role is to rid this world of all that is magic, and catalogue any humans that have been touched by it in the watch list. What about the animals? Jenny asked. What does she do with them? She catches them and ships them across the sea. We don't know where, or what happens to them when they arrive. We only know that they are never seen again. Why is Elf involved? Why is she working with the Ringmaster? Partly because the Ringmaster has Rask and is holding the snake in limbo, and partly because Elf believes that the Ringmaster has sent more than just magical animals and artifacts over the sea. Her parents, Jenny said. Yes. We need to get a message to Elf. We think that the Big Top will soon be under attack, not by us, but by the Inspector. We need to warn Elf. I think I can help with that. The cat reached out a paw and pulled on a rope. 
a distant bell rang. First I need milk. Then I will tell you all that I know about the Ringmaster. <laughs>